welcome to the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast, the podcast that follows three integral recovery practitioners on the journey of waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. Join us and our trailblazing guests as we apply the principles of integral recovery, daily practice, and the aqua map to transcend limitations, accelerate growth, and heal ourselves and hopefully the world. And now here are John Dupuy, Dr. Bob Weathers, and I'm Doug Prater with the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast, episode number nine, your multiple intelligences, the four essential lines. Okay, everyone, welcome back. This is uh, episode nine, is that right? Nine. Number nine, number nine. You guys remember that white album, The Beatles? Number really? Nine. Um, everybody's going, oh, Yoko, you're killing the band. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, we, we have something really exciting to talk about today, and this is the next next part of the map. We really got into uh, the quadrants, and we shall refer back to them continually because it's part of the operating system we're building here to help us on the journey of integral recovery, which is what this is all about. And these are lines, okay? That's There's, not cocaine, guys. That's not... <laughs> I don't get it. That's my hand lines. is I just got, I just got oh, triggered. Oh, lines! Oh, my God! That's I just got triggered. So, um... Got it. So anyway, lines are separate intelligences, okay? There's there's lots of different types of intelligences. It's just really obvious. And I took uh, American psychology or academics a long time to figure that out. And there used to be like one line, you know, and that was your IQ line, your intelligence line or something. So if you, you know, took an IQ test, you got 160 plus, you know, you get it, you know, invited to MIT and blah, 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 or Harvard or Princeton or, or uh, Texas State, you know, one of these great schools. And um, I, I said that with a straight face. I love Texas State. Anyway, so um, in, in the 80s, it was Gardner, right? Uh, who wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence. No, and no, before, Goldman. Daniel Goldman. Goldman, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, Gardner was did something else. And we'll Howard, get Howard Gardner was... Uh, the theories of multiple intelligence, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay, well, he was in there too. So anyway, the, the thing that had really been important was your your IQ, all right? And and we all know if we take an IQ test, uh, what that's like. And well, um, Goldman, right, he said that there's this thing called emotional intelligence, another line. And we say lines because it's just a cool way to measure it because it's a, it's a vertical thing and you can be really, really low, as in you have really, you know, really problems in that particular capacity or it can be super advanced or it could be somewhere in the middle or something. So that's why we say lines. It's just a, a really useful way of looking at it. And he said that, uh, that emotional intelligence was actually a much greater determining factor of a person's success in life. And all the way in professionally and, and relationally and et cetera, what most of us would call a successful life than just being super, super smart. And that was like, oh, wow, that was quite a that was quite a interesting thing. And then, of course, I don't know who went with it, but Ken, Ken Wilber certainly talked about a lot that there's multiple intelligences. OK, there's there's, uh, you know, the culinary intelligence, there's mathematical, there's musical, there's guitar intelligence, there's spiritual intelligence, all these things, you know, and, and we all can intuitively know we're usually pretty good at some things and really not so good at other things. And, you know, if you're not so good at brain surgery and you're, uh, you know, you're a writer, it's no big deal, right? You're, you're going to get along fine because you don't do brain surgery. But Ken and his, um, his brilliance said there's four essential lines that everybody has to account for. Because if you don't, you imagine like they're the four, uh, pillars of the temple or, or legs on a, on a, on a table. If you're missing one or it's really a thing that's really going to be unstable, wobbly and enough, it'll just, the whole thing will collapse. So this pay attention. This is really important. These are the four lines that are essential 
for being a healthy, happy, functional, wise, evolved, and enlightened human being, or a you know uh, a sober, recovered, inspired, healthy you know person. As far as in, in this particular thing we're talking about, and and uh, you know beyond sobriety into into super recovery, maybe so we should say that. And the the first line is the body. Okay, so your body's all messed up from your addiction, whether it's a Twinkie addiction or it's whiskey or it's Coke or it's meth or it's heroin, whatever. The body has just been neglected and abused. So we got to work on that. Okay, lifetime athletes, everybody, you got to work on it. And there's so much about that. You've got it. You know, it's like, I don't know, there's arguments. We go six days a week, five days a week, one day a week, you know, whatever. You got to do it quite a bit. And you really got to put effort into it. You got to push yourself to your 10. You know, where you're really, you can't breathe and you're sweating and your neurochemicals are all charged up and your mitochondria are going, yeah, baby, all these different things are, are, are kicking in. So it's the body. And of course, it's nutrition and, and supplementation and not eating crap and eating good stuff and then finding out what really works for you as far as that goes. The second line is the mind, okay? The, uh, the, the, the intellect, you know, again, the, 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 the old early days of the computer, they said garbage in, garbage out. Well, that's true. If you just sit around and go on the internet and just kind of follow these weird things you can get into, these jags about the latest Kardashian disaster or whatever it is. You know, you can spend years and years and like, you finish and you're like, Ugh. I feel like I just I was hanging out with a psychic vampire and somebody just pumped, you know, toxic sludge into my soul. <laughs> you feel awful. You know, you feel depressed, you're down. And, um, and I don't know, I'm not sure what the whole Kardashian thing is really about, but I do shop at grocery stores, so I see them there. And so, so yeah, so you have to fill your mind with inspiring stuff. Hopefully, this podcast is something that will inspire, okay? And, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the great mystics and great music and great literature and great conversations, you know, real conversations, not what passes for conversations, on, you know, in the popular press now where everybody just screams at each other trying to make their, you know, their talking points. It's really obscene. But and and then so we have the body, we have the mind, and then we have the emotions, our emotional health, which I include the shadow in there. And so that means you have to deal with your emotions moment to moment, you know, and you have to deal with your your interior emotional ego, uh, your your wounds, your 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 traumas, your uh rotten stories about yourself, about reality, about how inadequate you are, this or that or the other. It's a false story. Maybe you are inadequate in some ways. You need to work on it. But I'm talking about the things that keep us down and, and uh, our despair, our depression, our loneliness, our existential voidness, all of that stuff has to be worked on at that level. And that, that gets into the spiritual, but, but uh, we'll talk about. It. And then you have the shadow issues, you know. The, the shadow issues are the repressed parts of the psyche. Um, uh, Bob, you did... Uh, a lot of work with union psychology, which is really brilliant with that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, uh, Freudians were kind of into it too, but man, when, when it got into Jung's hand and the unions, they really did, uh, uh, did, did a good job. And so if you don't deal with these shadows split off elements of yourselves, they will cause you to be stressed out, unhappy, and existential, existential despair. And it's also not just the yucky things that happen or the bad things or things you don't want to look at, but it's also your essential callings and gifts that you don't want to look at because you don't think you're smart enough or you don't have hope that you have to bring forward. So there's, there's the dark, there's the dark dragons and there's the golden dragons or the light dragons that we have to bring forth and discover in this internal emotional work. And then the last one is a spiritual line. 
Okay. And yeah, it's really differentiated from religion. That's one thing. And it's, you know, religion could be good or bad, whatever, you know, or different. But what we're talking about here is an ongoing interior contemplative practice and exploration. And what you find there is really, really, really yours. Okay. And of course you can go to the great traditions or if you're really in, in embodied in, in a, uh, in, in a tradition or a church or religion that's really feeding and working for you, uh, that's fine. You know, Everybody's invited to do this, but what really uh, all the great masters and the religions and, and the spiritual sages of the past and present say you've got to go inside. You've got to do the internal journey. And for most of us uh, doing traditional meditation and contemplative prayer, you know, we just didn't have the context to support it. We didn't have the teachers. We didn't have the monasteries. We didn't have a lot of stuff. Nobody told us about it. But now, you know, a lot of my work over the last decade has been to bringing this brain entrainment technology that allows us all to experience deep, deep contemplative meditation and, and prayer like from day one. I mean, we're down in these deep meditative states, deep brainwave states that, that before often took, uh, you know, years of, of practice and sometimes unsuccessful. You never got there. And now you can get there right away. And of course, you can use neuro and biofeedback too to help in that journey. But but you just, you know, put these earbuds on and and, uh, and do that. And prior to this show, I did two hours today because I was just called to go hang out a little deeper and go a little longer. And it was it was beautiful. So those are the four lines, okay? And, and I'll shut up in a second here. But the first one is the body, the mind, the emotions, and the shadow, and the spiritual line. And you got to work on all of those lifetime, you know, lifetime too. You're just like, okay, God, here I come right at the end. You know, it's like, and that will keep you in the game, vital, useful, creative, wise, forgiving, relevant to the healing of the planet and everything we've been talking about. So there it is. So those four lines are the foundation of what integral recovery practice is all about. Um, and that's the important point, too, is that it is a practice. We have discussed in earlier episodes the, uh, the recent uh, discoveries in, in neuroscience that have taught us about the plasticity of the brain, neuroplasticity, and the ability to continue to change throughout your life as opposed to having a fixed brain once you uh, reach your early 20s, as was thought for years and years and years. And so these, these core integral recovery practices working on those four lines are ways to continue to improve those. And the important word here is capacities too. The lines can be thought of as capacities. And while we focus on these four, there are anywhere between 16 to 30 or more, depending on which particular theorist you're, you're looking at. But you, yeah. you look at these four essential things, the mind, the body, the emotions and shadow, and your spiritual line. And you have the fundamental the four pillars as john said to go a long long way now it's important too that these are our capacities they reflect your ability to do things and they all uh, interrelate as most things in integral model do to other uh, other areas they are interdependent with one another and if you're talking about your your body intelligence your kinesthetic intelligence for example you spend time in the gym lifting weights or you spend time practicing sports and that enhances your kinesthetic intelligence so that you can more easily master other skills within that domain Absolutely. now the same thing applies to uh, one of the most important here is the cognitive line uh, too you you increase your ability to understand different things by engaging with difficult material as opposed to like john said reading the, the tabloids and the kardashians but um 
you do this and it, it improves your ability to understand and engage with all sorts of concepts. It's hard to perceive the emotions of another person if you don't work on the uh, intellectual, the mental, cognitive line enough to understand what's going on there. The cognitive line really opens the door for the rest of this stuff to make sense. Spiritual intelligence and the ability to sense and, and connect with the, the divinity, the miracles that are all around and, and within us that we're all just swimming in all of the time are all strengthened by working all four of these lines together because of the interplay there, along with all of the others that I'm sure we will address here at some point. Yeah. Yeah, we'll look into the practices and in, in, in great detail as we move along into this thing. I, I, John, as I was listening to you, I was thinking of uh, a story when I was in graduate school uh, uh, 35, 40 years ago. I had some intuition about this, and it, it was that obviously the mind was going to get way cultivated in a, a six-year doctoral program. I was gonna, <laughs> that was going to be well taken care of. And I, and I, I used to do this thing. I, I've shared elements of this before. I... Uh, I would study for 45 minutes, uh, and I would do this eight hours a day. I would just study eight hours a day. I'd study for 45 minutes, but on 15 minutes, I would break it up. And uh, I'm a musician, so one of the easiest things would be for me to sit down at the piano. and I'd, oh, I'd play piano, and I, I got pretty uh, developed as a pianist in graduate school, but afterwards, I went back to my first love, which was drumming. But... I would Bob, play. Bob's a heck of a drummer, by the way. One of my great pleasures in life is playing uh, music with Bob. Yeah, same for me with you, John. So I play music. The other thing as I do is I, I can still remember I tuck my toes underneath a closet door and do sit-ups or I do push-ups and I just work out uh, in the living room uh, in between studies. But the most challenging thing for me to do, and I remember setting this in motion because I thought, you know, if I keep studying all this time, one of the things that's going to happen is I'm going to lose any capacity to fix shit around the house. And so I would take on some practical chore or task, like, you know, I need to fix the hinge on the door, or I need to, you know, check out, you know, some loose washers or something. And I would do that. I'd do that on my breaks. And it just kind of kept me grounded. In fact, the coolest thing for me in graduate school, my first year, was I studied, and I was always doing studying, and I had a job as the, um, I, I swept the grounds of the student apartments I lived in. And I'd go out and I'd, I would study for a few hours and I'd go out and I'd spend an hour just with this big broom sweeping the dust. And I think the best ideas came doing that. The best, best ideas came doing that. Now how that's translated into my modern practices in my uh, uh, calendar on my iPad and so on, I've got this broken down and I just track how I'm doing uh, each week around these practices. And it's very curious, it's followed me over the years. There's never a problem with my developing the mental thing. It's just every day I'm reading so much stuff all the time. So that one takes care of itself. I don't even have to track that one. <laughs> it tracks itself. Um, because I'm pretty dedicated to interior practice, there's a lot of work that I do on the shadow stuff. Uh, and that one's uh, virtually daily. Um, uh, and so that, that one tends to take care of itself. Um, and spirituality. I'll tell you the one that gets neglected for me, and this would be different for different people, but since I've spent most of my adult career in academics, it's the body. It's the body always has been the body for me. And so this afternoon after our podcast, I go for a long hike on the beach with my partner uh, and get my uh, 
get myself revved up because it's a strenuous hike and we take it at a fast pace is is that it's imperative that I not neglect any of these lines that we're talking about. And it's easy for me to do that. And it's the, I remember some one time years ago, sitting at a very early in my academic career, sitting at a big meeting table uh, at the university where I was working. And for some reason, my eyes fell to the edge of the table and they followed around the edge of this long table. And I saw one pot belly after another. I was very young at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I just started. And I thought, that's my fate. If I don't do that's what right. we're talking about, yeah. I thought, so you end up with these disembodied kind of talking heads that are not connected, and that's got to affect the way that they think, the way that they imagine. That's horrible. Yeah. Anyway, it was it began to be my conscience. It still is. It still is my. Uh, Jung would call it your inferior function. My inferior function is it's so easy for me to neglect the body. For some other people, it's the mind. For other people, it's yeah. you know it depends on whatever it is. But I think that the integral practice, uh, and we'll talk more about this, but around these developmental lines, it means. I'm constantly working on developing as many of these as I can. There are some that are just off the charts in terms of they're just never going to be greatly developed. You mentioned culinary intelligence. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I, got, I got about three things I, I can cook pretty well. I, the rest I, is like a mystery. So, so limited, but the others are really imperative. I want to mention one last thing because it was inspired by what you said, Doug. And uh, John, you and I have talked about this before. The crazy thing in terms of how these inform each other is that I play drums a lot. I play, I'm active as a jazz drummer. And when I, when I play drums by night and the next day come to teach, for example, run a psychoeducational group or the work that I do around administration, the drumming absolutely informs the work that I do in the mind. I think of the drumming actually as soul. I actually add a fifth line here around soul, around creativity. That's just the way I help organize it for myself. That's my fifth practice. And, and, and when, I, when I teach well, because teaching is such a creative act, and then I go to drum that night, the drumming reflects that. And so it's just a way to suggest that however you work out, John, is the way you play guitar, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, there's no way to separate that stuff out. So it's just to say these lines are separate. And it's very useful and they're completely informing of one another. And so all the more reason to keep as many of these plates spinning as we can in a very intentional way. Yeah, and it's not as complicated as it sounds. You know, there's four lines, and and you don't need to go in and 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 and, and pay some expert, uh, you know, thousands of dollars to show you where you're at with your lines. I mean, if you're out of shape, y'all probably can figure that out pretty good. If you're you neglected your intellectual uh, life, you probably you haven't read a book in ten years, you know. Uh, and I, I watch the Kardashian show, you know, all night. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm back on the Kardashian. But anyway, and then, and, and you know, you know, I mean, you may not know. And if you don't know, your emotional line is probably really hurting, you know, and, and your spiritual line, you, you'll know that, you know, if you, and, and how do you get spiritual? Well, I went to a good church. I went, you know, I had good teaching when I was a kid. No, it, uh, spirituality is like anything. Else. It is a practice. Uh, we were, we were talking about, uh, we, uh, we were looking at a quote from a Zen master who said, religion is a practice just as this, you know, spirituality is something you do. You don't just like, I mean, we're all spiritual in the sense that we're all essence. We're all that. We're all that great thing, but it's the awareness of that and the cultivation of the depth where it's not just, you know, Oh, we're all one thing. Can you go into some kind of state of psychosis? It's actually what comes out of there is wisdom, compassion, inspiration, creativity, the good stuff 
from, from the spiritual practice, but it has to be done. Yeah. And most of our, our, our churches and our temples and whatnot, it's all a very exterior practice. You know, you go to mass, you, you know, get the host, you sing a few songs, you, you know, pray together and you go back home and that's it. And there's all kinds of versions of that. And that's all well and good. That's, you know, it's good to have some kind of communal uh, worship service, but if you don't do the interior work, you know, and there's a Zen koan that says, um, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you're going to kill the Buddha. He was such a great guy. Why would you do that? Well, it's not actually saying that. It's saying if you're expecting the spiritual, really true breakthroughs to happen anywhere but inside of you, you know, you're looking in the wrong place. You're trying to project it on the guru or this guy or that guy. Not that we can't have great um, spiritual teachers who can inspire, but the real ones are always pointing you inside, inside, inside into the inner guru and the wisdom. And, you know, when we're talking about the about the emotional line and the spiritual line, I think teeters between that is the opening of the heart, okay? And the, the, uh, I was interviewing Dr. Uh, Deborah Rossman for the Spiritual Technology Summit that we're doing, and she's the heart math, uh, you know, person, and the main person right now. And she says, talked about the intelligence of the heart and the wisdom voice, and you learn to discriminate between, you know, your brilliant intellectual mind or your not brilliant intellectual mind, but the, 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 the kind of intuitive knowing and the understanding and the wisdom that comes from the heart is something that also again, has to be cultivated. And once you get that down as the foundation for being an actualizing, realizing, showing up human being, then you can take those disciplines and the, the beauty of that to your drumming or to any other capacity that you feel vocationally called to be. Like you want to be a brain surgeon or a scientist or um, a writer or a librarian uh, you name it, you know, it's, it, you're going to get so much better than that. I, I have my two practices outside of my working. Well, it's part of my working out outside is that my, my electric guitar, my guitar playing, my music. I have, that's why I'm, you know, I have this all surrounded. All my guitars are there. At any moment I have a free, I'm driving all the dogs in the neighborhood crazy. Uh, I'm practicing working on it, you know, and also tennis has become a real spiritual experience for me, which we're going to do as soon as we wrap this show up. So you have that foundation and there's so much to be said about all those individual, you know, what is the body? I mean, my God, there's a huge industry and there's millions of books, published, not millions, but lots of books published every year about physical health and diet, et cetera. Um, the intellectual life and the emotional life, psychology, and, and then the, the contemplative, spiritual life. And uh, one of the things that have come out of kind of psychology and transpersonal psychology, which I studied in grad school, is that, you know, the, the West was pretty good at differentiating and just exploring the individual ego and, you know, repression and the id and, and shadow and all the stuff that emerged and then humanistic and all that was really good. But at a certain point, humanistic just, ink, it hit, it hit the glass ceiling, right? And it couldn't get any higher. And that's when to so, oh, to be a really deep human being, a truly healthy human being, you got to, you got to include spirituality. It's always been there. We've never found a culture, civilization, a lost tribe, anything that didn't have some kind of connection to spirituality uh, and the, 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 the beyond human intelligence of the world. So that is an essential part of being a human being. And we really have to cultivate it because if you don't, there's a certain level in our ego development. I mean, we can get along with it for years, some of us. Uh, but at a certain point, there's just shallow, shallow, shallowness unless you go into the depth to discover that that ground of being in your own self and, and you know, conversely, in, in all things. And that's where the journey takes us. So, John, you mentioned that uh, different people tend to 
uh, have strengths in different areas. Um, and, and Bob, you were talking about this too, to some extent, naturally uh, focusing a lot on your study. And it occurs to me as we're talking about all this, that a lot of this is related to your typology. There are, in the Enneagram, um, there are head types, there are body types, and there are heart types. And these particular lines that we are more inclined to focus on and, and develop naturally that require less effort for us to uh, make part of our daily practice are related to that typology. And that's something that we can continue to explore in the future. We're um, Hopefully we'll have a, a good guest on in a couple of weeks here who can delve more into that, uh, especially as it relates to recovery. And um, I also wanted to add here that it's important to focus on these four and the things that you want to do, because there are so many things out there in the world, so many different intelligences, so many different lines that we can cultivate that there's just no possible way to do it all within one yeah. lifetime. And so, you know, we start with these four essential lines and these four essential practices and then pick the other ones. You mentioned both of you music and I, I am a musician as well. So that's, that's part of my practice, but um, choosing what's, what's important to you. What are your particular strengths? What are your interests? Where does your contribution lie? And where is your attention best spent to determine what you're going to do with your limited time in a day and the limited span of your life. Yeah. yeah you know, and I'm convinced that if <laughs> I hate that expression, I'm convinced, well, isn't that nice, you know, see if you can convince me now, but, uh, but, but my, my intuition or my experience, you know, my own personal and, and working with people for years is that when you really pay attention to the emotional work, the interior work and the spiritual work, that these things that the other, other skills, the other capacity that you need to develop become kind of an intuitive knowing, you know, it's not just a, it's not just intellectual. Well, I, you know, I took a test and they said, I'd be a really good fireman, you know, so <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. But, but I'm saying in these deeper, deeper kind of uh, vocational callings that we, that we aspire to really begins to come out of our soul. You know, and it really becomes something that, oh, yeah, this, I, I can't not do this. You know, it, it'll kill me not to not to develop this. And, and I think there's a wisdom inside of us that will direct us to the teachers that we need to do and what we need to to accomplish what we need to accomplish while we're here. And then having the courage to reach out and pursue those things, too, comes from there, there doing doing the practices, doing the heart work, Absolutely. the meditation, the shadow work required to get there. I went to a conference uh, 20 years, 25 years ago or so. It was a conference for psychotherapists. There were about 200 psychotherapists in the room. The speaker was the union analyst, James Hillman. And awesome. uh, uh, there's somebody sitting next to me that said, Dr. Hillman, what do you think is the single most important thing in uh, uh, becoming an effective psychotherapist? And his answer was instantaneous. He said, it's to cultivate your art form. Sweet. And he paused for a second. He says, and by art form, I mean that in the broadest, most individual sense imaginable. So one of you might, your art form might be dance or sculpture. Another, it might be gardening. Another, it might be uh, uh, washing dishes mindfully. But, but it's in the spirit of what both of you are saying. He said, you must cultivate depth first if you're going to be an effective psychotherapist. And I think you can apply that to being a, a fully alive, a true human being. Is that the cult, You could do worse than to cultivate your art form. And that none of us are excluded. He had a very Catholic approach to it, didn't he? A very universalistic approach. Is that everything is included. Anything that I do with all my heart that helps cultivate depth inside me is one of my art form expressions. 
some people will say, God, I wish I could play music like you, Doug. And that's beautiful. It's just like you just say to them, no, play music like you. And maybe it's not even music. <laughs> you know? Or you say, put in the years and maybe you will. That's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Discipline, yeah, practice, and mastery are big around here, by the way. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. I drummed for five years, you guys, from ages nine to, nine to 14. And all I did was work on foundational stuff for five years. It was, uh, it was bone grinding work, but it was in service of it. I didn't have any, there was some intuition. I was, in, I was in love with drums. I was insatiably drawn to drums. But the first five years were exceedingly unromantic. But it's like the foundation of that was, was essential. And at age 14, when I got my first drum set, it just completely blew open the lid because all of that foundation worked. And, and at this point, I'm 61 now, so I've been drumming for over 50 years. The, the learning never stops. The practice never stops. No. It's like, I think the rich get richer because once you've developed some foundation, whatever your art form is, if it's gardening, it's to learn the essentials of gardening for me. It was drumming, the rudiments of drumming. But once you learn that, then it feeds the creative process. And then the creative process creates the hunger to want to practice and learn more. And so the, dis the discipline involved is no longer kind of from the outside in. It really is kind of that root sense of discipline where I'm being discipled by the drums. I'm a disciple of drums. Yeah. And I do that out of love at this point. And, and it's infinite. You know, and, and, and that can be really daunting. It's like, this is infinite. I heard uh, Keith Richards one time, he says, the guitar neck is infinite. It yeah. just like keeps revealing yeah. itself. Yeah. And that can either just blow your mind and discourage yeah. you, or you can yeah. say, hey, I am, I am falling into the infinite. And as we know from our spiritual practice and, and practice musician, the infinite is a good place to be. It, it is, is beautiful. You know, when I sit down at the drum set and, I, and I'll sign up, I'll, I'll, I'll get studio time just for me in the drum set. I sit down and play. It comes to me not infrequently. If I play a certain phrase or a certain figure, I'll realize not only have I not played what I just played, no one has ever played what I just played. It's just unbelievable to me. The, we talk about infinite. It's like to be, to be able to be a vessel of that kind of creativity. <laughs> I, I'll cultivate my art form. Thank you very much, Dr. Hillman. <laughs> Man, yeah, absolutely. A, and, and, a miracle yeah. when you get out of the way and allow that to oh. happen. Get, get the ego out of the way, which, of course, requires some work in the spiritual line of development, too, to allow and yourself it also, to do that. And it also takes the discipline of those four years of learning flamadiddles or whatever the hell you were working on <laughs> where it's not so groovy. You know, you can't just pick up a guitar and I'm Jimi Hendrix, you know, maybe in air guitar games or something, you know, you get to have the glory of the crowd and then without ever achieving anything, you know, so you've got to put that and somehow you had the fire in the belly to stick with it. You're probably getting a lot of support at home. It's like, you know, most families who live in a, a, a small house don't support Junior becoming a drummer. But I had good teachers, John. And yeah. another piece of this, we talked in the last presentation about co-regulation. We all need good teachers. Nowadays, John, I know that you study the, the master guitarists online. You can watch YouTube videos, and that's un un unbelievable. In, the, in our youth, respectively, we couldn't do that. You had to physically have a good teacher there. And so um, we stand on the shoulders of those that came before us, for sure. Oh, so, yeah, and their shoulders are so visible and so accessible now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's truly tremendous. And sometimes I'll go, you know, I'm an electric blues guitarist, and sometimes I just need to go to Freddie King. You know, so I'll go to Apple Music or YouTube and watch Freddie or just play along with a song, and I get a sharp 
crisp, you know, just brilliant things that he would do, or I need to do Peter Green or this or that. It's just, it's just a, it's just a, a movable, ongoing, profound, infinite feast. And, and, and I was going to say that the three things to go along with uh, that we're cultivating in these lines, and Ken talks about this a lot, but it's the good, okay? And that's what we learn in our emotional and spiritual, even intellectual work. What really matters, you know? What does it mean to be an ethical person? What, mean, what it, it means to have a moral life? Is it just yeah. accumulate a bunch of stuff? Does it mean to make it with all the women that I can? Does it mean this, that, the other? What does that mean, okay? So you have the good, you have the true, Okay, and which is really important, which is where, you know, objective science comes in, you know, in medicine and could, this about the brain and, and nature reality and, the you know, strong force, weak force, gravity, all of these things that we know, relativity, um, just the whole objective scientific world. It's tremendous. It's why if my friends call me and they're in trouble in Europe, I can get on a plane, you know, blah, 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 be there in 12 hours. You know, I mean, somebody did this stuff. You know, the fact that we're here and you're in North Carolina, is it? South Carolina. Uh, North, yeah. Carolina somewhere. Okay. And you're in someplace over there. No, you're... I'm in, I'm in South California. Southern Cal. Right. <laughs> you know, we're here in, in deep, dark Utah. And uh, so we can be here communicating. I mean, somebody right. did that word. Right. The right. true. Science, it works. It's replicable. Right? And then then there's the beautiful, which is where art comes in. And 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 we also get in touch with our spirit. The beauty of, of you know, the beauty of the all comes in. The awe. When I, when I go out and look out my window here, I take my dog out every morning to go run around in the wilderness. It's, it's so we need all of that to be balanced. You know, we need the good, we need the ethical, we need the true, you know, science and, and what is so, and we also need what is beautiful in our lives and that informs the soul and that helps us to, um, to be, you know, integrated, integral, healthy human beings. And when we neglect any of those, we just get out of balance and, and every, the patterns begin to, uh, to, to, Get out. It doesn't mean we all have to be scientists and, and drummers and, uh, you know, <laughs> lawyers. Uh, but, you know, we need to have that accounted for. We need to have that, that balanced out. And, and a lot of in Western culture, because of the dominance of the church in the Middle Ages and, and ongoing, we had to really separate those things out because, you know, you couldn't really do science if you're going to get burned at the stake for discovering a planet. You know, it kind of got in the way of, you know, <laughs> the astronomy, if you will. So things separated out, right? And so artists became very artsy and scientists became very, you know, uh, very objective and, and uh, neglecting interiors and the soul and all this stuff. And, and uh, um, the mystics, you know, religion became its own thing. But now we're seeing the need because all those things are impoverished. We don't bring them together. You bring them together and it's like rock and roll, you know, you really got something here to take home, you know, and something to, to grow with. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, the good, the true, and the beautiful fit really nicely into the four quadrants, too. The good is our relationships with one another down there in the lower left. True. The true in the upper right is science and objective reality. And the beautiful is the upper left and, and what I perceive in the world around me, the experience that I'm having of majesty and beauty and all of that. Well said, well said. Amen. And, and the, the, the other thing about these four lines and the practices around them is you have to learn to be a practitioner, okay? And you have to learn to suck. I mean, you have to learn to suck, but you have to be willing to suck. Uh, it was depending what your job is. Anyway, let's not go there. But you have to be willing to be a beginner and not be good at it. And I was talking to a young man in the gym the other day, and he was just starting out to play the guitar, you know. But he, but he had the hunger. I could see that. And I was just encouraging him to be willing not to sound good. The first time you try to play that D chord, you know, it's like, 
his fingers don't fit right or they're bumping into each other. You don't have enough strength to push the strings down. It's not terrible. It doesn't sound like a chord. It sounds like a boom or something. So, so you have to be willing to day by day and learn deep practice and learn what it is to keep showing up and the grittiness of persistence and the willingness to sacrifice and work hard now for future uh, development. You know, if I'm going to play like Bob Weathers, I'm going to have to put in the kind of stuff that Bob Weathers put, put in. You know, if I'm going to be a basketball player like like the, the, the people that we admire now, uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have, you know, little dudes are playing fantastic basketball. So you don't have to be a big, you know, you don't have to be LeBron James. You know, you can, you can do it if, if you put in the time. So so it's time. And, and the, the good news is, as as you deepen into the practice, the practice becomes ever more rewarding. And, and you might hit some plateaus where you're not thinking you're making progress, but practice is kind of like that until you hit the next, you know, the big, you know, spike where you make, you, you jump to that next level. So it's a really inspiring story and it takes grittiness, inspiration, and maybe coaches to show you how to practice, how to get going. But once you get going and once you've made it yours, you're moving into mastery and things will never be the same. You know, you're going to move from beyond mere sobriety to super recovery, which is self-actualization and self-realization. You know, what you're supposed to do and who you ultimately are, we are. There's only one of us here. So that's where it all rolls to. Uh, that's the teleological direction this all goes in. Beautiful, beautiful. Are we going to wind down, gentlemen, for yeah, today? That's beautiful. Okay. Wow, what, what a great place. And hope, uh, anyway, so keep those cards and letters coming. Yeah, right on, John. Doug, and thank you, guys. And also there's a, you know, there's going to, I don't know if we've set this up yet, but there's going to be a, a free meditation track, uh, Deep Delta, we decided to start with, which is a beautiful 40-minute track that takes you down into the deep brainwave. This is a very slow, powerful brainwave, a deep meditative state. It's 40 minutes long, and, you know, you can get rolling on that, and you need, you know, good earbuds, good headphones. That's, you know, you can put it on your iPod or your smartphone or on your computer, whatever device you want to use. And you might you want to just, if you haven't meditated before, try doing it for 10 minutes. And if you're an experienced meditator, you can do the 40 thing. And if you really want to go, you can do 50, you know, you can loop it or whatever and do it again. But you'll find it, it's a great tool. And I think it's really important that the people, that you start participating in, in the practices because that's the, that's the, you know, that's how we negotiate this, this incredible map that, that we're unfolding. You know, the territory is by doing the work. And these, these tools are tools that we never had available before. Not like this. And, and we, can, we can make this process of, of cleaning up, waking up, showing up, and growing up to be something very possible for all of us and very democratic in, in the sense that, you know, it's uh, one time Ken, we were talking, and he said, you know, well, somebody asked him that this was, uh, you know, this is very uh, elitist. Thank elitist. you. Yeah. And he said, yeah, it's really freaking elitist. But it's an elitism into which we are all invited. Okay, so we're now all just all the same, you know, we're all invited to become the elite version of ourselves and give that gift back to the world and to life, to each other and to yourself. You know, when you become that, that's your greatest gift that you can give the world, all of us and and yourself. That's where the greatest joy comes from. True, authentic, deep joy. So I think that's a great place to stop. So, hey, you guys, thank you so much. And next time. Yeah, that's that deep Delta track that John mentioned is available on integralrecoveryinstitute.com. The button's right there. It says free. Can't miss it. So go visit us there. And we can't wait to connect with you. Also, I just wanted to mention that we've got our 
Integral Recovery Masterclass coming up soon. So while you're at the website getting your free deep delta track, uh, take a look there and we'll give you a good condensed version of the entire Integral Recovery Map presented. We'd love for you all to be there. It's free. It's going to be a great experience. And uh, go sign up. We can't wait to see you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, visit us on iTunes and hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday. While you're there, you can help others share the journey and the joy of integral recovery by leaving your five-star rating and a quick review. We're grateful for your support, and we'll see you next time on the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast.